Hey folks, Zach Osterman here. I am in Soda Indianapolis Star. It is a cold, wet, gray Monday, October 30th, 2023. Um, wherever you are, I hope your Halloween costumes are sorted. I will be going as a uh, an, a sleep-deprived father of two, possibly uh, holding a mug of apple cider that has been spiced with something more. We shall see. Uh <laughs> With me is Zion Brown. Uh, Zion, talking in, in particular today, we're going to focus on Indiana's exhibition opener yesterday afternoon. You were on the mic for that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. I was up on on what J.D. Campbell lovingly calls Fisher Row. Indiana 74, UND 52. Um, a game of two halves, certainly. And I think it's it's fair to say, just to kind of start at the beginning and work through, it, it, it felt probably a little bit like we should have expected it to feel in that first half disjointed offensively. I thought very good defensively, but disjointed offensively, a lot of guys still figuring out new roles, almost to an extent to which I recognize that half these guys didn't play with trace Jackson Davis or, or race Thompson or Jalen Huchifino, but almost a sense of guys just not sort of knowing who should get the ball where, and you know, where, like who, who's going to get the basket and how basically, they just kind of had to figure out, just sort of feel their way through just a, a brand new offense in a lot of ways. Yeah, and if there's one play I think of, it's playing a first half where uh, Xavier Johnson comes up with the steal. It's like a three-on-one fast break. I can't remember who who was to his right, but basically McKenzie and Baco was wide open to his left, and, and Baco kind of fades out to the corner and wanting to shoot a, a corner three on this break. Uh, Xavier Johnson throws it towards the hoop. One of him just cut inside for the layup and goes out of bounds for a turnover on a play that should have been an easy two points, probably. A play like that where it's just like the, the communication, the the synergy with each other just isn't quite there yet. And I, I agree a lot of times in that first half when they didn't get out in the break that much, you felt like, okay, they don't know who who's supposed to be the guy, who they really want to, to get the ball in certain spots. But Eventually, it all came together. But like you said, I think you, I think it should have been expected. Not that they should have been down two necessarily. They missed a lot of bunnies in the first half. But it should have been expected that they looked rough a bit offensively, not knowing exactly, you know, what to do and and who should be kind of the main guys. I think I, I think I said in my insider afterward that the uh, the universal chest tapping signal for my bad got about as much use as any any individual play call. <laughs> yeah, in, in that first half, I think. I mean, you know. if if you just kind of parse through the first half box score, and I'm a little bit, um, Indiana was only 17 of 33 on layups. Uh, unfortunately, that's the, the 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 box score doesn't break up that stat by halves uh, for whatever reason. It breaks up everything else. Um, but I mean, you you know, Kalel Ware was one for five. Trey Galloway was one for four. McKenzie and Baca was two for five. It felt at times. I think Ware and certainly Galloway were probably making lot like trying to basically almost you know doing the thing where you make the shot more difficult than it needs to be. Um, they didn't make any threes in the first half. They only shot four, as you talk about. You know, I mean, ten of thirty-one, and a lot of that was around the rim. And so, to to your point, you know, you would imagine that it, you know in a month when this team's got his game legs underneath it, more of those go in, and, and maybe in a game like this. It's something more like 37, 27, 38, 27 at halftime, something like that. Um, and it's also worth saying, and I feel like we say this a lot, but I mean, there are teams on Indiana's regular season schedule that probably aren't as good as you as as, as Indianapolis. Yeah. And, and I and I, I said that on the broadcast yesterday. I said, you know, 
This is a UNI team that was top 10 all of last year. They'll probably be top 10 in Division II for most of this season. Like That, that is better than some of the, the lower, lower level teams that, that IU is going to play this year. And a team that, in some respects, and I, I don't know exactly how many returners they have, but I know they've, they've got a comfortable amount of, of production returning from last year, um, is going to know a lot more what it's about than Indiana is in a game like this. You know, the, the, Indiana, the UND's not coming into this game trying to figure out you know, if its identity works or if it, you know, the stuff that it's been working on all preseason, there's no doubt there, essentially. I think the, I want to say discouraging, I think that the thing that you can certainly, you know, look at from Indiana's perspective, number one, we once again confront this question of of three-point shooting, and and that's something that's just going to have to bear itself out over time. I did think it was, you know, noticeable that for how good Indiana looked defensively, um, and how, I mean, just how much, and we'll talk more about it in a second, but how much longer and more athletic and sometimes even laterally quicker Indiana looked, um, there still wasn't a huge rebounding advantage. I think it was 23 to 22. Now UND got five offensive rebounds and missed 13 threes. So sometimes that skews it a little bit. Indy was, was kind of chucking a little bit. And sometimes that'll lead to some long rebounds. It'll lead to, you know, just a little bit more kind of 50, 50 caroms, but, um, you know, it just, it, for a team that quietly, we talked so much about Indiana's, you know, the, the the individual skills or the individual skill Indiana had rebounding basketball last year. But if you look at where Indiana wound up, they were 197th in opponent offensive rebounding or an offensive rebounding percentage. They were 205th in opponent offensive rebounding percentage. They were not an elite rebounding team for how good a couple of your players are individually rebounding the basketball. And given how much, again, that length, Indiana's ability to fill passing lanes, to jump passing lanes, you know, to, to smother guys, like how much, how much more Indiana could gamble on closeouts at times in that game, because guys were just so much longer, like the, the, the reach and the ability to contest from further away was, was so much more pronounced. It did surprise me that you didn't see Indiana maybe clearing the boards quite as consistently as I thought they might. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, look at the first half stats. Um, UND was led by Julie, Julie, Julian Steinfeld on the rebounding glass. He's a seven-footer, so at least you could say he's a big guy, you know, uh, a guy that has D1 size. But, yeah, um, last year, Trace Jackson Davis was an excellent individual rebounder. But you're right, as a team, they really struggled to, to all get in there and make a collective team effort at rebounding. I think back to the Miami game and before Miami just couldn't miss any more shots when, when the game was still kind of tight. The reason IU found itself down is because there were a lot of second chances for the for the Hurricanes in that game. So for IU this year, it has to be a collective effort. It has to be a, a one through five sort of thing. I think Xavier Johnson is one of the better guard rebounders you'll find. So that'll help, I think, going forward. But that's certainly something that you have to say, okay, defensively to, to end more possessions, to to play better defense, you have to finish those possessions with rebounds. And like we said, only a one – one rebound difference in the first half is not what you would like to see. And it is tricky, I'll acknowledge. I mean, you know, UND takes 59 shots yesterday. The, the stat, the final book only classifies 11 of them as layups. And I think sometimes what happened to Indiana, in fairness to Indiana last season, was Indiana's rim defense was so good and teams were so disinterested in getting trying to get to the rim because they understood Trace Jackson Davis and Ray Thompson could contest well without fouling that they took a lot of jumpers. And again, the more, you know, the, the, the more jumpers you take, the more susceptible you're going to be at times 
to long rebounds, but it still felt like, especially in that first half, and we'll talk about the second half in a minute because it, it is pronounced to me how different, not just that Indiana was a lot better in the second half, but, but why Indiana was better and how Indiana was better. It also felt to me at times like I, I like it, just anecdotally, I saw two guys trying to stand in the same spot for a rebound. It, it, you know, you can, you can crash the boards in a way that is structured, especially if you are going to run the floor. If you are, if the if the if the, the the goal is basically to run off of misses, not just get the rebound, get it down the floor, set up and run your offense, but but genuinely break off of misses, you can be structured and tactical about basically who crashes from where to secure rebounds. And I felt like I saw you just almost see like these gaps on the floor where the ball would would kind of go somewhere and there'd just be there wouldn't even be a player at all standing there. But you'd sort of then you'd look over and you'd see two Indiana players kind of trying to stand in the same spot, jostling for uh, jostling for the rebound or whatever it is. Um, it did feel again a little bit like an, and I'm, I'm I might be guilty a little bit of confirmation bias here too. It did feel a little bit like Indiana still sort of figuring out. Okay, I'm supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. The stuff that should be instinctive by let's say New Year's. But for the first couple months of the season, is probably going to take some getting used to. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Um, you mentioned kind of the long rebounds on those. Like you said, there, there felt like there were some gaps on those. You almost want to play like create your own little arc as far as rebounding goes, like from the free throw line out to make sure you can get those long rebounds and that they don't turn into offensive rebounds. So that's just some communication things that have to uh, sure up. And and they'll probably won't play a lot of teams that shoot as many threes as UND did. UND just kind of got a bunch up, mainly because I don't think they were all that comfortable inside. So they were getting them up. And I think when you play a, a team that is maybe more comfortable driving inside, that makes it easier to get rebounds. So, you know, I, I'm not hitting the panic button on that quite yet, but it is something to watch after the way last year went where you, where you talked about it. They were an average or even a below average rebounding team on the season. Moving to the second half, and then we'll talk some about some individual performances. I think the second half is – you know, if, if you have concerns about the first half, and I understand where they come from, the second half should, I think, on the turnabout, make you feel very good about what, you know, this team's potential might be. Indiana outscores uh, UND 49 to 25 in the second half. So they're actually good in the first half, even better in the second half defensively, at least by the numbers. But I think it's also, you know, individual performances you've got five different players with multiple assists in that second half McKenzie and Baco's got nine points and five rebounds Kalel Ware is five of five from the floor 12 points um you know you you spread the again you spread the scoring out a little bit Anthony Walker I thought looked good against the zone in that second half Mike Woodson kind of talked about that post game and then you talk about just the the total whatever 32 points in the paint asserting yourself a little compared to only 18 in the first half, asserting your size advantage there, which listen, I get it's you, Indy. I get it's a division two team, but like Indiana's is going to have a size advantage from a lot of teams this year. They even sure if, are. Yeah. You have to be able to make that play to some extent, 11 points off turnovers, um, 18 opponent turnovers. That's, that's gotta be the whole game, right? Not just the second half. Yeah, that's uh, the, yeah. I've got ten turnovers. Uh, you in yeah, the second that's half. The, yeah, ten for the ten in the second half. But twenty-two. I know this. I don't. The, the box is breaking some stuff up by half and some stuff not. Forgive me. I know this is a second half stat. Twenty-two fast break points in the second half to six in the first half, and that was where you could see. And I think we've talked all off season about, you know, oh, it's it's teams don't 
necessarily get better for losing guys like Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, even Miller Cop. But this one is going to not just try to replace those players. It's going to try and, trying to evolve on from what it's been the last couple of years. This second half was, I mean, Indiana averaged 1.49 points per possession. Again, only making three threes. You know, sometimes you see a number like that, and I'm sure Indiana fans would love it if Indiana made 10 in the second half. But even if Indiana is better shooting the three long-term this year, I don't think that's the kind of, you know, three-point offense you can expect from this team night after night. What you got from this team was 33 possessions, 23 scores, again, 22 fast break points just in that second half, only nine Turnover percentage, 9%. That's a horribly phrased sentence, but you understand what I'm saying. A turnover rate of 9% in a half where you are running pretty much the whole time. Three turnovers in 33 possessions, despite the fact that you're getting out and you're scoring. You score 49 points, and almost half of those come on the break. Um, This looked like – I I mean, there's an extent to which, you know, Mike Woodson talked about kind of – stripping the paint off the walls a little bit at halftime and getting into his team, you do feel like he can split this game up a little bit into the first half. This is what it looks like when you're not doing what we're asking you to do. The second half, this is what it should look like when you're doing what we're asking. Yeah, and and this team doesn't – I don't think they want to play, you know, a slower half-court game because I'm just not sure there's that super talented, super great creator, at least yet. Maybe, maybe by the time we get to February, McKinsey and Baco becomes that. And, you know, he becomes a, a top eight, top ten pick in the draft. But but right now, I'm not sure if he's comfortable enough to do that. So they want to get out in transition and, like I said, use that link to create turnovers, get rebounds, and 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 go. And that's what we saw in the second half. There were multiple beautiful plays. Khalil Ware had a pair of dunks. Obviously, the one alley-oop over, uh, I think it was Paul Zelinskis, and then the other play where Trey Galloway, you know, looked like he was going to try to shoot a layup over defender, get the behind-the-back bounce pass, and, and Ware just had the easy dunk. Plays like that. Plays like the the Anthony Walker just snatching the ball out of midair and that turning into an Ibaka corner three on the other end. Those are the type of sequences and, and runouts that the Hoosiers want to get. They do not want to, you know, play a slower transition game with this team and, and the athleticism on this team. I mean, you look at this starting lineup and it'll be one of the more athletic starting lineups in the Big Ten, along with probably Michigan State. I know they've got some athletes there, but you want you want to see this team run, and I think this is what Mike Woodson really wanted to see and of course we saw Gabe Cups too make some plays defensively that turn into plays on the other end it's just the it's just those sequences those those runs and the avalanches you can go on when you get stops whether it's whether it's just by forcing a miss and getting a quick rebound or by strictly just taking the ball away and then you could turn that into to quick points on the other end and I think there's also, I mean, the encouragement of, and I mentioned some of these numbers earlier, but seven points for Xavier Johnson, 12 for Kalel Ware, eight for Malik Renew, nine for McKenzie Mbako. You get uh, 13 off the bench from a combination of Cups, Leo, Walker, Gunn. Um, this isn't a team where I think any, I, I, like, I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anybody on this team that's going to average 18 and eight over the course of the whole season. To your point, there might be somebody, maybe Mbako, maybe Ware, maybe Renew that is performing at that level by the end of the season, or maybe has a stretch somewhere mid-season where they have, you know, they reel off six or seven games of of that kind of production. But I don't think Mike Woodson in in sort of, you know, the, the, the plan that he's got in his mind, maybe even that he's got on a board, you know, a whiteboard somewhere, is thinking, you know, the goal is to have one guy leading this team, in, or even two guys, in such a pronounced way, the way Indiana, of course, had by the end of last season. I think this is a, a team where, you know, you want 
more balance in terms, you know, in, in the in his best Atlanta teams typically had about six guys in double figures in scoring. That's a bit higher. Obviously, you're, you're playing an NBA game. It's a longer game. There's more possessions. But let's say if if Mike Woodson could get six guys averaging eight points, eight and a half, nine points or better with obviously maybe three or four of those in double figures and, you know, night after night. It's 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 how you get your points. It's also the way that you're spreading those points around such that, you know, it, it Kalel Ware hits the three. McKenzie and Baco hits the three. Xavier Johnson hits a three. You know, again, one of the things I come back to five different players in that second half have two or more assists. And so it's not like there's only one player creating. It's not like there's only one player scoring because and Mike Woodson said this, you know, he, he said specifically, we don't just want Xavier Johnson leading the break. If you're going to be a fast break team, you can't just have your point guard leading the break because if you, every time you secure a rebound or get a turnover or whatever, have to wait to find your point guard to initiate the break, then then it's not going to work by that by that point half the time or more the other team will have gotten enough bodies back if you're going to be a team that wants to live on the break at times and that's going to be difficult in the big 10 the big 10 is obviously a league where a lot of teams will slow you down and grind you though i do think that and we'll talk about this team's defense in a minute um or defensive potential i guess you know if you do want to be a team that lives on the break basically everybody's got to be able to initiate it and it's it's got to be something where, yes, guards and guard rebounding are really important because that gets you moving faster. But it's also got to be something where if Malik Renew gets that rebound, he's comfortable throwing the skip pass or he's comfortable, you know, splitting two defenders to bring it up the floor, that kind of thing. And I think it's encouraging that you see, you know, 14 assists on 20 made baskets in that second half. The only players who don't have an assist in the, in the entire second half are Anthony Leal and Peyton Sparks, who only played six minutes and obviously went off injured and, and just for for admin, if anybody didn't hear Mike Woodson, he basically said he thought he'd be back for the Marion game, so he seems fine. It's it's encouraging not just that you score, but how you score, who scores, and the fact that it doesn't seem like it's reliant on one or two people, not just to get the points, but also to create the opportunities. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that I, this is kind of what Indiana wanted last year by bringing in Jalen Huchifino in the starting lineup along with Xavier Johnson, you know, we got that for about a month, probably less than that. Huchifino missed a few games with a back injury. He comes back. The first game he's back is that Kansas game and Xavier Johnson suffers his foot fracture that leaves him out for the rest of the year. But in a couple of those November warmup games in the North Carolina game, we saw, okay, this is what happens when you have multiple guys that can bring the ball at the floor. Now we're at a point where I think Trey Galloway has, developed enough as a ball handler. I just, he's not somebody you want to completely run your offense, but he's developed enough as a ball handler where you trust him. Um, of course, X is back, and, and Kinsey Mbako is somebody who is very comfortable bringing the ball up. So at any given time, you can have those three guys. Gabe Cups, of course, is a point guard that can do it. And so, that, like you said, it creates opportunities. You can't be a great fast-break team with only one person you believe in to run it. And so now if you have three or four that you can believe in, you mentioned Malik Renew tr- wants to bring it up a little bit more this year. We'll see how often he actually gets to do that. But when you have those guys that can bring it up, you have those those big targets like Ware, like Renew, like Sparks that can run the court. Um, it, it makes it hard to stop when you are getting stops, securing the ball and, and going quickly. So I think that's how this team wants to play. They don't want it to be something where they have to run a set every single time of the court to get a bucket. They want to play with more of a flow and just more of a, a feel for finding somebody who's open quickly. And I think we saw it in the last 10 or 15 minutes of this game yesterday that, you know, when they play like that, you you see a lot of buckets. You see a lot of uh, fun basketball. And I think 
the other thing I would, and, and this leads into maybe some individual performances, or at very least just sort of like, I guess, individual, you know, what, what individuals can bring to this team, because we're going to have to figure out, fans are going to have to figure this team out a little bit, just as they sort of figure themselves out. It's going to be an ongoing process. If you're going to play that way, especially if you're going to play that way without shooting a lot of threes, and at least for the moment, all the evidence of the last two years of what we saw on Sunday suggests this is not going to be a team that's going to, you know, routinely go 13 of 32 from three and, 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 you know, just shoot that many threes, maybe make that many threes. If you're going to play that way, especially in a conference that tends to grind you down a little bit, you know, with, with you know, there's, there's plenty of teams in the big 10 that are comfortable playing slowly. You got to be really good on defense. You've got to, you got to force bad shots. You got to force turnovers you got to secure those long rebounds. Some of that's going to be a work in progress, and, and I'm not saying Indiana's going to be elite at all of it. But, I mean, even against a team like – even against, again, an exhibition opponent, a, a team like UND that's got some talent, is also Division II, um, I thought it was pronounced when you saw Kalel Ware, McKenzie Mbako, Anthony Walker, even guys that are back – you know, I mean, CJ Gunn, you could see how – he looked better, I thought, defensively last year than you'd expect from the average freshman, especially a guy who maybe wasn't coming in with, you know, just absolutely elite tools to begin with. But I think an understanding of how to use his his length, his quickness, his wingspan, Malik Renew. I mean, he commits three fouls in the second half, but obviously, you know, it, it, you didn't see some of those sort of like ticky tack fouls that would get him into trouble. The fouls that he talked about in the offseason, the fouls that are basically born of him just getting tired. You didn't see that kind of stuff in this game. It's only one exhibition, and it's obviously not an opponent at the level that Indiana is going to have to beat to realize its bigger ambitions this season. But for a first game, I thought this team showed tremendous individual and collective potential defensively. Yeah, I thought that the defense was was pretty good from the jump, honestly. Um we saw great ball pressure from the three main guards, uh, Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, and Gabe Cups. Um, Khalil Ware for a guy that w- was talked about as having motor issues and kind of could be disengaged on the defensive end sometimes, especially in that first half. He had those three blocks and deterred a couple other shots. So I thought the defense w- was was really good for most of the game. Anthony Walker defended well. That's pretty much what IU brought him on for, kind of replacing that Jordan Geronimo role. And so really, um, I, had, I had no concerns with the defense for the most part outside of the rebounding that we talked about. But other than that, he – the whole team was really was there. They were engaged and there weren't there weren't too many miscommunications that you would expect either from a team this new. You know, we talked about the offensive issues with the the miscommunications and the tapping at your chest, my bad, but you didn't see that a lot on the defensive end. You know, this was a team that that was locked in on that end and you know they were just they're just able to create chaos and in the second half there were so many UNI possessions where the shot clock got below five just because you know, they couldn't penetrate. They couldn't even find anybody with, with either even a slither of space to shoot from deep. So the, the defense for IU in this game is what they're going to try to hang their hat on. That's what Mike Woodson always talks about. And I'm sure he would be proud of that performance on Sunday. And I think you're also just you, – you see some of the – you know, the, the – um, The one thing that Woodson has kind of said, I mean, he, he I got to sit down with him a little bit. He, he used the Z word. I, I love how much coaches love talking about playing zone in September and October, and then they never do it once all winter. Um, that's a that's a Tom Izzo special. Um, but he did talk about pressing a little bit more. It, but you know, the, the the thing is, like Woodson's kind of talked about 
all, all off season offensively, we're going to be different. That wasn't the offense I'd ever run before. You know, we're, we're, we're going to look differently, you know, all this, we're going to, you know, we've got kind of different players, different skill sets, yada, 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 but he's always been pretty consistent. The defense is kind of the defense and yes, maybe he'll junk it up a little bit. Maybe he sees the potential to throw some weird looks at teams at times just to discombobulate them with this group. First of all, if you're an opponent and you're looking at the film, you're looking at Kalel Ware and you're saying, well, if, if he's, you know, you talk about the concerns about his motor and whatever. Um, if, if you're looking at that, you're, you're not, you know, nobody's Trace Jackson Davis, but you're, you're watching him. And to some extent you're watching Peyton Sparks, who's a very different kind of player, but I think is going to be very well suited to the big 10 in especially kind of a guy that maybe can come off the bench, can be a little bit more physical, doesn't have to worry about fouls quite as much. Uh, sort of the way Malik Renew was last year, but obviously just more experienced. He spent two years in college. He's going to be more physically developed because he's older. Um, you're looking at that, I think, and you're saying it doesn't feel like Indiana is going to get a lot easier to attack on the interior defensively, which is such a big piece of, of Mike Woodson's defense is protect the rim and protect – basically the five feet around the rim so much that teams feel like they've got to start shooting jumpers. Teams feel like they've got to take maybe lower percentage shots from three or even long twos. You know, teams that feel like they've, they've got to, you know, almost make things harder on themselves with the way they're trying to finish around the rim because they just don't want to have to deal with the long arms and the shot blocking and stuff. And then you've got, and they got burned on this a couple times and that'll happen, you know, if, if you want to gamble, but, I think Indiana is going to be able to gamble more defensively this year because, I mean, the number of times that I saw either Trey Galloway or McKenzie and Baco overheld, knowing that if the ball skipped to the other wing for a three, they could just they could get back in time, whether it's because of their quickness or their reach or both. I just think this team is going to be able to cover more ground. And I mean, it sounds simplistic, but, you know, they're going to be able to be further away from the shooter and still close out effectively than maybe they were at times personnel wise last season. And that is going to allow you to take more of those chances that might lead to some of those, those runouts that we're talking about, some turnovers and things like that. And I thought, and listen, this is anecdotal. I'm not going to pretend I've gone back and watched all the film, but I thought in particular, you saw Indiana get burned on that a couple times early in the game, but they kept doing it. And you and he got tired. And so suddenly you're tired. That shot's not going up as fast. So suddenly it's getting blocked or it's getting deflected. Or maybe you see that, you know, it, you know, first five, seven minutes that you indie player that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's not a necessarily a double team, but it's, it's almost like that can see, I got to skip it over here. He's open and they make that pass and it works because they're fresh their legs are still underneath them. Their arms aren't tired. They're not worn down. So, okay, it worked then and got you a three. But the next three times you tried it, it didn't because you were tired. And because suddenly you couldn't make your mind work as fast or your legs didn't get as much lift or whatever it was. I just think this team is going to be able to take more chances because it has so much more length and quickness, potentially, potentially, to cover that ground and still possibly create you know, some turner, turnovers and things. I mean, steals aren't the end-all, be-all of turnovers. Um, but seven different players just in the second half had a steal in this game. You know, if you look at the the final box score, four different guys had two steals. Xavier Johnson had two. McKenzie Mbako had two. Anthony Walker and CJ Gunn each had two. 
you're not looking at this. A year ago, we were saying, oh, Indiana's perimeter defense starts with Trey Galloway. Xavier Johnson's out. It starts with Trey Galloway. Indiana's interior defense starts with Trace Jackson Davis. I think this team holistically can be, and it's not there yet, and you wouldn't want it to be on October 29th. But holistically, I think this team can be a lot more disruptive defensively if it can continue to improve. Yeah, and not only is it the length and recovering speed that guys can have when they gamble, but it's the fact that they know that, you know, they've got somebody with a lot of length behind them as well. So, you know, if they get beat gambling, they can they can recover, turn it around, and, you know, they can almost have those pill switches where somebody behind you picks up the guy you were guarding and you pick up whoever they were guarding and, and you figure it out from there. So being able to, to have that length is such a luxury, like you said, and I just think they I think they will and should gamble more. Um, as long as the two in the backcourt stay healthy, Xavier Johnson and, and Trey Galloway, those are it's one of the better perimeter defensive backcourts that that we'll see in the Big Ten and, and maybe in the entire nation. So we've seen what those guys have done when they were both on the court together. Um, both both have have gone through these injuries. Trey Galloway had a lot two years ago, and of course Johnson with the with the foot injury last year. But if they can sit on the court and, and play a lot of minutes together. It'll be hard for the guards to, to score and really get good looks against them. And then even if they are able to, you know, get past those guys, it's it's hard to to go up inside the lane, inside of eight feet and and really try to put up a a good shot against the active and, and engaged Khalil Ware. So you look at all those factors, you look at the way that, you know, Mbako has his length, Anthony Walker coming off the bench has a lot of length as well. And you just say they can they can wreak havoc on on opposing offenses. They can really just be chaos creators a lot of times on defense if there's enough communication and if there's enough discipline not to know when and when not to take those risks. I think it's also valuable, and I think you probably see this a little bit in the intangibles that we talk about all these new faces. We talk about a team that's a little bit younger than it was a year ago and a little bit, you know, sort of less proven or whatever you want to say. You still have that steady senior backcourt. You still have those two guys that have seen everything, been everywhere, and can just kind of be a, a steady hand at the till as long as, obviously, as you say, they stay healthy. Just a couple newcomers. I don't want to run through all of them. Um, I know you got class, and I've got to get to uh, Tom Allen's weekly press conference. But it's striking to me that I I thought both Kalel Ware and McKenzie Mbako at times were struggling to figure out where to engage with the game. And, again, I think that's just, especially in that first half, that's just the sort of, like, you mentioned that that one play where Mbako tries to drift to the corner and Johnson thinks he's gonna he's going for an alley oop. Um, it felt like both guys were still sort of finding their way through the offense a little bit, which is totally understandable. And yet they're still your leading scorers. Um, you know, where's six of ten, Mbako's five of eleven. They both have fourteen points, so it's not like either one of them had to take a bunch of bad shots to get their points. Um, you can be a little concerned about the free throw shooting if you want. That's probably just a collective thing for Indiana. They were 11 of 20 from the floor. It is interesting to me, though, that Mbako shoots six free throws, even in a game where he only plays 25 minutes. And obviously, you don't expect it to be as physical as some others. You know, a, a guy of that size drawing fouls, getting to the line, giving himself those opportunities is always going to be important. And then the other part of it, I mean, they only had Ware credited for two blocks. I, I feel like he had more than that. Um, but they had... 14 rebounds between them, including five offensive rebounds, three assists between them. Again, I, I'm almost certain Ware had more than two blocks. Mbako had a couple steals. For two guys that it seemed like had to spend part of the game just sort of sort of feeling their way in a little bit, 
they wind up being probably your standout performers. And it's not going to necessarily have to be that way every night. There'll be nights where it's Xavier Johnson or Malik Renew. Trey Galloway was quiet in this game, but we know he can have, you know, 15 point eight assists kind of games at times. Um, and you had some promising players, both new and returning off the bench. I just thought those are the two guys that are kind of going to be under the microscope here early. And, you know, for the fact that you would almost feel like they had quiet nights in a way or nights where maybe they weren't just clicking from the beginning, they're still your leading scorers. They're still two of your leading rebounders. They're still heavily involved in all facets of the game. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at the new look front court of Mbaka renewing where they combined for for 40 of the 74 points in that game. And, you know, they were the three leading scorers for IU. But, yeah, you see you see Mbako and Ware go for 14 apiece. And, like you said, neither of them in the first 10 minutes of the game looked, looked very comfortable offensively. Um, neither of them – they both kind of missed some bunnies around the rim. And, like you said, didn't exactly know where to be at times. But once they got rolling and, and once they were able to quickly turn some of the defensive stops into offense, you know, they were – they were really great. Both of them, uh, like you said, Mbako misses three free throws that she would have liked to see him finish a five for six or maybe six for six at the line instead of only making three of his six free throws. But the fact that he got to the line as a freshman like that is important because last year, once Xavier Johnson went out of the lineup, Trey Jackson Davis was pretty much the only player on Indiana that could get to the free throw line. So you want to see more players be able to do that this year. And, you know, with Ware, I mean, that's it's a show you want to see from him. First game after – Everything that happened at Oregon, not getting along with, with Dana Altman very well, you know, being off coming off the bench for most of the season there in Eugene. And he's in the starting lineup and he looks like a true, you know, legitimate center in that game. And and McKenzie and Baco, we didn't see anything that I felt was too special from him, but he made the one open three he had. He he made left, he cut it, he made good cuts, and he did have eight rebounds, three of them on the offensive glass, too. So I thought he was I thought I thought he made some mistakes defensively, but I also thought he showed some real potential defensively. When I talk about Indiana being able to gamble, I mean he's a guy that allows you to get so long, like he is just so long and so quick. Right, and and sitting right there on on the court and kind of seeing that up front, it, it was something that you know he he was you know more more longer and more just bigger than I expected him to be in that in that situation. So he looked nice, uh, led the team in rebounds. So. If, if he can do that from that three spot and have games where he gets, you know, seven to 10 rebounds from that small four spot, that's something that, you know, no offense to Miller Cop, that's something that Miller Cop never really offered as far as being a guy that could do that much on the glass. So I, I was really impressed by the way that both of those two kind of just settled into the game and, and became the two top scorers for IU. We'll leave it there for now. There's more to talk about, but there's a whole season left to do it. Um, Hoosiers are back in action Friday against Marion. That'll be obviously their exhibition uh, finale as things are. This was their opener. That's their finale. It's always a quick season. And then they will be in action. uh, First game of the regular season, November 7th, a week from tomorrow, as we talk uh, the day before Halloween against Florida Gulf Coast. So it all arrives quickly. It all moves fast. He is Zion Brown. I'm Zach Osterman. This has been Mind Your Banners for October 30th, 2023. Have a a warm and fruitful Halloween, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening, as always.